Live from the Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. Eight seven 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 hundred Nova is the number. Nova Home Loans, Dustin DeHart, our buddy here at Nova Home Loans, is going to join us in about 45 minutes. Uh, we've got what I think is going to be a dynamite conversation, basketball conversation, access nose conversation about the NBA, and a little bit of college basketball. Man, oh man, the Wisconsin story. A coach in tears after a player's coach meeting. That is fascinating. So Coach Joe's coming up in 15. It's time for the three presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Poor Alex Caruso. Or is this, you idiot, Alex Caruso? Candy, what exactly happened to the Lakers guard? So Alex Caruso apparently was boarding a plane somewhere near the Texas A&M campus, college station, um, and had his bag searched. And as we know, here in Las Vegas, uh, you are allowed to have weed in small quantities in your personal possession, but in the privacy of your own space, not boarding an airplane. And uh, he got popped for having weed in his bag. Okay. Narrative here is Alex Caruso is a moron or up yours, Texas, where you cut the crap with weed pops. Uh, that is a federal issue in the end, so not so much about Texas. We're talking about the Federal Aviation Administration. Um, but let's let's talk. I need to talk one AC to another AC here. I need to just to kind of break it down a little bit and, and just say, my man, AC. Um, <laughs> there are like a million places in the world that a millionaire can go to smoke weed. Um, just take it out of your bag, man. Like, just throw away whatever you got and... Yeah. Use some of your millions to get what you need on the other end. But if you're going to get on a plane, they might search you. End of story. Okay. Candy stepping up for the state of Texas. Very nice. Very nice. Because uh, Texas was getting blistered by many on. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I get tired of people messing with Texas. Yes, I know. You are a lover of Texas. Uh, who gets crushed on the Clippers? Is it the players for the lack of execution down the stretch on multiple fronts? Ty Lu. What do we what do we do here? Before all that, I know you're going to ref camp soon. Referee Adam Candy. Tell us exactly what happened as Aiden threw the ball into the hoop, and a lot of us are watching and are like, in a cylinder, 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 goaltending. Deep inside the NBA rule book is this little nugget. On that particular play, on the play where the ball comes from out of bounds on a throw-in, there is no goaltending. So Monty Williams and company knew that, and they took advantage of it because Jay Crowder, by the way, threw a perfect pass, threw it oh basically to the top of the cylinder, yep. and Aiton just had to be big, and he was big, and it was very impressive to see. And by the way, kudos to Van Gundy on the broadcast because JVG knew it straight off the top. He knew the rule and he came with it strong. All right. The play itself. What do you think happened? You mentioned the execution, Jay Crowder, brilliant, uh, Aiton showing that, uh, you know what? Big men are still very useful in the NBA. And it's not just what he did on that play. The play itself, uh, brilliant knowledge of the rules, good execution. I mean, I think the play was designed to be one with two options. 
Uh, obviously, if Aiton is allowed to get near the hoop, you throw it. If they decide to pound Aiton, then that could free up Devin Booker. So the play design is pretty good. Do you think the, the, the Clippers just gaffed on that one and not respecting the fact that, you know, they've got a young seven-footer rolling towards the hoop who can jump through the roof? Steve, 0.7 seconds on the clock, right? Point seven, at the very, very best, that is hot potato with that basketball. Get it in your hands, get it out. You know where it's going. You know they want a tip. So how in the world, if you're the L.A. Clippers, how in the world, even if you see DeAndre Ayton break free, do you not go in there with a form tackle on him? Like, challenge the officials to call something. Make them come up on that play, because let me tell you another little secret about that play. Once that ball is actually in play, once that ball is crossed into, into play, DeAndre Ayton is not considered a shooter in that situation until he catches the ball. So if you had hit him in the air before he catches the ball, Ooh. that's not a shooting foul. I mean, if they're in the bonus, yeah, then you go to the line and get two shots. But, like, at least make him make the free throws. I know the Clippers have already come back from 2-0. They can do it. I felt like that was devastating. Now, I'll admit... I have a dog in the fight because I've got a couple of plays on the Clippers for the series and for the NBA title. So maybe I'm I'm wrapped in that. Now I'm looking at them down 2-0 versus 1-1. What do you think? Is this series that close? By the way, CP3's not back yet. Kawhi's probably not coming back. So the Suns are going to get an infusion of energy, experience, and he's a damn good player. And in these, you know, those kind of situations down the stretch, they're going to be so much more organized. The Suns are. They executed on that play. I don't feel good about the Clippers this time around making some massive comeback. It's so hard to count out this team, though, Steve. It really is because every time we think, whether it's mental or whether it's physical, every time we are ready to take this team and throw them into the trash, they stick an arm up through the cap on the dumpster and say, <laughs> not yet, not yet. And so here comes Terrence Mann or Paul George or whoever it is to say, Hey, we're not done yet. And so I can't write them off. And the other reason I can't write them off is because if I go on this show and write them off, at some point I'm going to have to listen to Von Tobel be the smarmiest Clippers fan in the world and say, bro, how could you count them out? You know they're better than that. And the hard part is he'd be right. 877-700-NOVA is the number here at Nova Home Loans. We're live in the Nova Home Loan studios. Uh, you know, we talked about May being Military Appreciation Month. That was awesome. Nova Home Loan stepped up to waive all the uh, processing fees uh, for active duty and veterans. So it was a great deal. They decided to make it Military Appreciation Year. So they're going to do that. They're going to waive upwards of uh, $12.99 in terms of processing fees. You combo that, and this is for active duty and, and veterans. You combo that with, uh, that with all the, the great low rates right now. It's a perfect time to go out and buy a new home, even better, get the mortgage tuned up and use the equity in your house. You get a lower rate, you lower your payment, maybe you can take out money, you can pay off bills. But the only way this gets done is you got to make the call. And I know people procrastinate and they're afraid to make calls. They think it's super complicated. It's intimidating. It's not. I did it. The folks at Nova Home Loans are awesome. They get you, you know, through the process, the information part of it in 15, 20, 30 minutes. It's a quick call. And then you have it all laid out for you, a bunch of different options and you decide what to do. But you, know, you can't sit on your hands and get it done. you got to make the call. 877-700-NOVA. 
877-700-NOVA. Tell them Cofield and Company sent you. And especially for veterans, active duty military, take advantage of what Nova Home Loans is doing with Military Appreciation Year. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Cofield and Company is talking college hoops with Joe Esposito. College hoops, NBA, basketball in general. Joe Esposito, the coach. We were just talking about coaching at the end of the Suns' victory over the Clippers. What's up, Coach Joe? Not much, man. But there's a lot to talk about on that game. Holy smokes. There is a lot to talk about. Uh, first of all, Candy, the experienced referee, was telling us about the uh, maybe little-known NBA rule on inbounds plays because uh, a lot of us were watching the game and were like, DeAndre Ayton's over the cylinder. That's goaltending, but not the case. And when the Suns drew up the play, they knew that. Yep, that definitely is uh, good on their part to understand the rules because that's part of it. But, um, you know, there was so much in that play, and uh, what impressed me more than anything was at the end of the whole deal, no, no one really took credit for it. Everybody was passing credit to everybody else. First, got to throw the ball. You know, Jay Crowder was the inbound passer. Um, you got to throw the thing. Then you got to set a screen. You know, Devin Booker sets the screen with a broken nose and bangs on that big seven-footer. And then the big boys got to go up and get it, catch it, and throw it down. I mean, there's a lot involved in that play. I will tell you this, though. I was kind of disappointed with the Clippers, the way they defended. You know, I think, uh, first of all, on the ball, I would put my tallest guy, and I would have had him jumping up and down like a maniac. If you look at the clip, he's standing flat-footed when the pass is thrown. And I think that's always something, even no matter what level of basketball it is, you always want to really do a good job on the on the ball and, and make sure that they don't get an easy look for the rim. And then secondly, I would have pre-switched that. I would have put my seven-footer by the basket. I would have protected the basket. I would have pre-switched that screen and not try to run through some type of screen. I thought there was bad kind of coaching at the end, to be honest with you. And uh, unfortunately, um, but fortunately for the Phoenix Suns, and I can say it's our Phoenix Suns because I live in Phoenix. Um, it's been pretty exciting, and to see how they're doing this all without you know without Chris Paul and the way guys have stepped up. And there's been a, it just just in general, you know, like Cameron Payne gets 29 points. I mean, you know, he you know he's been playing the minutes that Chris Paul would be playing. You know, Devin Booker busts his nose open and he sets that screen and again, the type of series he's had. You know, coach draws up that play late, and remember they had no timeouts late either. And that's a rule that I think they're going to look at in the NBA where when they go to the monitor, you can't go with your team and get that extra timeout. I think that's something that's going to happen, and I think that's something you're going to see. So, hey, we're sitting at 2-0. and The Clippers have been here before now. They were 0-2 against you know Dallas. They were down 2 against Utah, and uh, it's going to be interesting. And Paul George, I guess, unfortunately, he's kind of the GOAT. He should have made those free throws, and none of this would have happened. Joe, when we look at what happened at the end of the game, I think what blows me away the most about the Clippers is this isn't about the NBA or college. I mean, you could have been you could have been dealing with this at Cesar Chavez High School with 0.7 seconds left in the game. And the one thing you would say is, hey, you know their catch and shoot's got to be almost immediate, so you got to protect the rim. I mean, the one thing you can't allow in that case is anyone to get to the rim, right? I, I mean, unchallenged the way that Aiden was. 
Well, that, that's exactly what uh, that's what I was saying about that pre-switch and putting the big seven-footer right into the basket. I mean, you, you, you really don't have to worry about them throwing it to a three-pointer. I mean, you know they're going to throw it at the rim. And, uh, and, and, and more importantly, you know the guy that's going to throw it. You know what's coming from the inbounder. Jay Crowder, you know, he's throwing that pass. So why not, even if they put the seven-footer on the ball, I, they, they got to have another seven-footer somewhere on that bench. What's the biggest guy, the longest guy that you have on that basketball? Because if he can't throw it, the play's over. You can rerun that play probably 50 times, and it probably only hit about one or two times. I mean, I'm telling you, that's a hard play. The ball's going to be thrown perfectly. you got to worry about the backboard. you got to worry about too low. That play was fantastic. It was meant to be. And uh, I'm telling you, that, that's a hard play to throw it right there, catch it and put it down, especially that late in the game. Well, Joe, mental side of the game there. Talking about mental mental errors and mental mistakes and, and over in the Eastern Conference, uh, it seems like we got a pretty decent little situation going on inside the head of Ben Simmons and maybe going on inside the heads of everybody within the Sixers organization. What did you see go on with the progression of Ben Simmons through these playoffs and what can be done there? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of scary because, you know, you're talking about a 24, a 25-year-old young man that, uh, you know, just in the prime of his career and how he just kind of fell off. I mean, his performance in the in the playoffs, um, shooting 33% from the line. I don't, I don't think Shaq had those numbers in the Atlanta series. He's shooting 34% in the playoffs overall, which is the worst in NBA playoff history. Um, you know, against Atlanta, four of the seven games, they held him under 10 points. So there's something not clicking there. You know, Stephen A. Smith came out with a text uh, where someone really close to the program says, you know, he doesn't work hard. He doesn't listen to the coaches, doesn't listen to people around him. And he's all about his family, and it seems like they baby him. He seems like he's entitled. He's one of these, these young kids that feels that entitlement. So to put your, the ball in his hands and make him your franchise and make him your point guard – Remember, in 2019, they signed the guy for $177 million. They still owe him $140 million uh, over the next four years. So they're going to have to come up with a big big decision here of what they're going to do with Ben Simmons. I think there will be plenty of teams that want him. But I was saying from day one when I watched him, coached against him when he was a freshman at LSU, I just never thought he would be a true point guard in the NBA. I, I just, For some reason, I just didn't think he made players around him better. He's a great player. He's got the ability to do things on the court, obviously with his size and his length, and he can definitely do things. But I think it's all mental now. I think it's all in his brain. I can shoot that poorly from the free throw line. I mean, to be honest with you guys, I could go out there against Atlanta and shoot better than 33%. I promise you. So that's a really sad tribute to where he is mentally, and he needs to pick it up and wake up. You know, if he's that kind of kid that's got that killer instinct, He'll definitely take this to heart, and he'll go out there and perform better for his team. And hopefully, maybe he'll get traded. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen. There's a lot of money involved there, and that would be a big, uh, a big contract for somebody to take if they do, in fact, trade him. That's the coach, Joe Esposito, is up on Cofield and Company. Joe, I want to talk about an overarching uh, theme around the NBA, and we've seen it play out in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, the Sixers, after they lost on the Hawks, Joel Embiid, was complaining, and the, the basic premise is, hey, right now it's kind of not fair when uh, it comes to fouls being called because 
the big guys seem to take a lot more. You know, a guy like Embiid, who's 280 pounds, takes a lot more abuse. Uh, most of the time he's fouled. He's going to get two shots out of it. You got a lot of little guys taking over the league. The three-point shot and the foul on the three-pointer seems to be taking over games. The NBA's probably got to do something about it. But we got a real issue here because uh, right now it isn't fair for the big guys and what they get when they get pounded. Yeah, and, and, you know, this has been a talk for a long time, even in the college game, um, you know, and in the pros, obviously, about the physicality inside. I mean, they get a lot, away with a lot more. Um, and they're bigger guys. And, I mean, if you're calling a foul every time a guy arm bars a guy or every time huh. a guy's banging inside or pushing inside, the game's never going to finish. I mean, you're going to be in a, instead of a two-hour game, you're going to be talking about a four-hour game. I mean, so there's got to be some kind of deal. But what they got to get away from is these bogus guy jumps in the air, and Trey Young's great at doing this, leans into a guy six feet away, and he throws up a crazy shot, and they give him three shots. Right. I mean, that's kind of the thing that they got to do away with. they got to stop that. If it's a foul on the legitimate shot, it's one thing, but you can't go ahead and make that contact happen. A guy runs by you, throw the ball up into him. I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, when you look at um, how many times, and for him, for Trey Young, he's probably the – the, the best at it you know when you look at his numbers and how many times he's been fouled attempting i know he's uh one of the top guys to get into the line after attempting shots from outside the perimeter um i i really think they have to make a rule change there i don't think you can really change the physicality inside i mean you can say that we're going to try to do this and do that and you know we're going to no arm bar and keep your hands in the air they tried that in the ncaa it doesn't work it's a physical game inside guys are big guys are strong and Embiid just needs to suck it up and play the game and not worry about it. But I do think they need to clean up the deal with the three-point shot with these guys creating that contact. I think if it's not a true shot with a true foul, I think they just need to let it go. Joe, you know, another common theme we've talked about a lot in basketball has been the player empowerment in college hoops and the weakening a little bit of college basketball coaches, but we had a weird one come down this week where Greg Gard, the coach at Wisconsin, uh, there was a players only meeting. They got, you know, real nasty and guard apparently was like in tears at the end of the meeting. Uh, the funny thing is Wisconsin actually went on to have a pretty good season closed well in the NCAA tournament yet someone recorded the meeting. Uh, it was like two hours long, about 35 minutes got released. Uh, listen, I'm all for player empowerment, but I, I don't know, man, this ain't cool. If you're recording the meeting, you're releasing it. Scary time right now for college basketball coaches as they try to run programs and also retain their players and get some continuity. No question. No question. What a crazy situation. You know, he's in the meeting with seven seniors and three assistant coaches. Now, who who is the one? Like, if I'm Greg Gard, I want to know who, who did it. Was it one of my assistants? Does one of my assistants Ooh. want the job or doesn't believe what I'm doing? Is there a, a misloyalty there? Uh, what player did it? Of all those players... Only one of them's coming back uh, next year. That's Davidson. He's going to take that extra extra year. Um, everybody else is leaving. Um, and to be in a meeting and to have you know to worry about whether or not somebody's recording you, to worry about what's going on in that meeting, just just ridiculous. I mean, it happens after a loss to Iowa, double digit loss. They only have four games left, and they're in there just blitzing them. Now, granted, obviously there's a reason they're in there. They don't for some reason like Greg Gard. They don't like the supposed atmosphere that he has. They're saying players don't come back. They're saying they're not going to come back. They want, you know, guy straight out said, I would not send my son to Wisconsin. Well, that's alarming. 
recruiting now. People see this stuff. It's out there. And uh, I'm telling you right now, if it was me, I wouldn't have been sitting there crying. I would have jumped all over those kids about them getting their asses whipped by Iowa. I mean, you know, so much for this. for Coach, you lost the game. So you're mad because I confront you? You're mad because I put it on you? Kids nowadays have way too much power in my eyes, and all they're trying to do is get their coach in trouble if things don't go their way. I mean, that's like this stupid portal. We talk about the portal. You know how I feel about the portal. Everyone <laughs> feels entitled. It's like yep. playing video games. If it's not going good, push the reset button. It's not reality. It's not the way this game should be played. You should respect your coach. If you don't like them, you don't send a anonymous email to the freaking newspaper. Come on, man. I'm not a Greg Gard fan, but I'm still saying he was treated wrong, and that's not the way this could go, and these players need to just play and shut up. Joe Esposito, fired up. Oh, you got it's me hot. Heat. You got me hot. Oh, it's the heat. It's actually a little cooler today in Phoenix, but it's still the heat. Um, these kind of stories getting worked up. Let's close on this. We saw the lottery come down last night. Detroit's got the number one pick. Uh, I don't necessarily need to know who Detroit's going to select because I think it's going to be Cade Cunningham. But who do you like at the top of the draft? Because you got a real debate here. you got all different types of point guards and sizes and shapes. You also have a really intriguing prospect in Evan Mobley, who's a big but can face the basket. And I have a feeling some people are going to sleep on him because the league is so down on big men. I personally think that Mobley's going to go second to Houston. I mean, okay. I think that's going to happen. I really do. I think he's rare. He's a, he's a, he's a guy that can do a lot of things. He's a, an elite rim protector. I mean, he's good off the pick and roll. He's got all sorts of skills. He can play defense. He can pass. Um, I really think that he's a guy that they're probably going to take in the second spot. I mean, you're looking about a guy that can move his feet and probably end up being a guard at times. Um, he's got a 7-4 wingspan. I mean, he's got great discipline. He knows how to play the game. I mean, I really like him. I, I think he's going to go, too. I mean, some people are saying, you know, Jalen Green, who they're comparing Jalen Green to, like, a Kobe Bryant, um, that he's got that athleticism and that – you know, that type of body and that explosiveness that Kobe Bryant had. But I think Cleveland will end up getting him. I think Houston's going to take, you know, Mobley. I mean, there were some winners and losers. Detroit, you know, for the first time gets the first pick. They haven't had a first pick since 1970 when Bob Lanier was there, um, when he got picked. So Detroit was definitely a winner in this deal. Orlando was a winner. They got two picks. You know, Orlando's got number five, and they've got number eight. So they're going to get two real good players in a pretty good draft. But there were some teams that really hit the bottom, like OKC. I mean, they had a 53% to land in the top five. They end up sick. They had a 50% chance if, if Houston would fall below five, they'd get their pick. So I think OC, uh, uh, OKC messed up. And, and Minnesota, they got no pick in the draft. I mean, they need help. I, I, it's going to be hard for some of these teams, but I do think that the, the picks will go that way. I do think number two is going to be Mobley. I think three will be green. I think the Raptors are going to get a great player and Jalen Scuggs and and I think Orlando's best pick they'll get is probably the Barnes kid. I do like Jonathan. You know, we know these kids, obviously, through the players we had at UNLV. But one of the guys I think don't sleep on, who I think is a winner and could do a lot of really good things, is Devin uh, Mitchell, um, I think, from Baylor. I think he's a guy that proved that he could be pretty good, and I wouldn't be surprised if he sneaks up in the top ten. Joe, uh, last one. What's the update on Tubby time? Tubby time. We're in the tournament. We got in. I felt like it was like. I felt like it was the NCAA tournament all over again. I'm watching it. As a matter of fact, I had my team at Cesar Chavez at the selection show. We sat there, and they announced Tubby time. We're a 10 seed. We're open up in Peoria, Illinois. We're going to be playing uh, Bradley. For all my fans in Vegas, go to our GoFundMe account. 
go ahead and help us. We got to get there. They don't pay my expenses to get there. I'm a high school coach. Come on, man. So anyway, long story short, we're in the tournament. We're a 10 seed. We played Bradley, who is the host of that region. So it's going to be a packed house on ESPN. It's going to be really exciting. We're loving it. We're having a good time with it. And it's going to give us a chance to compete for a million dollars. Joe, you're the man. We'll talk to you. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. There he is, Coach Joe. Yeah, he's coaching Tubby time. Uh, a lot of former players have played under Tubby Smith. And, of course, uh, the basketball tournament is now up to uh, that massive pool of, uh, I think it's $2 million total, million-dollar first prize. That might be just million-dollar win at all. Whatever. Uh, it's been around for a couple of years, and we've seen, you know, Bayheim's Army do well, the Ohio State team do well. Um, the All-Stars, they you know, they generally have a team of All-Stars who have played international basketball, and people love that tournament. That goes down, uh, I think, the beginning of the tournament is that regional is July 4th. Check that. July 24th to the 28th. Quickly, we flip the page. I promise you, it's good stuff. Yesterday in baseball, that is Rob Manfred's baseball. Yesterday is Bobby at his best. What an embarrassment. We want all the smoke. Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702-364-1100 and let us have it. The only part that was really sweaty enough on me to be able to grab any type of moisture was on my hair. The back of my neck really wasn't that sweaty uh, when I tried to get there. And so the only body part that actually had enough sweat on it was my hair. So that's fortunate tonight. But, I mean, this is going to be dangerous when, you know, you're in a cold game and you have no sweat. Uh, what will we do then? Cofield and Company is on the road at the Nova Home Loan Studio. Matt Scherzer on the way back there. This is right up Candy's alley. Referee, umpire, they're in the middle of all this. Yesterday in multiple spots across baseball. You know, we saw the result of uh, Bobby Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, and his lack of leadership and knee-jerk actions. It appears that the sticky stuff controversy has been building for years and years and years and years. And... Baseball just decided to ignore it or try to hide it. It gets to a head candy a couple of weeks ago. They have to do something. They should have done it in the offseason. Pitchers start freaking out because now, you know, they're threatened with a 10-game ban. And then yesterday, I guess it was gamesmanship slash intimidation slash you're a fraud. But pitchers all over baseball were getting checked, and Max Scherzer got checked three times, and it almost turned into a Max – Joe Girardi brawl in the middle of the field. Bobby baseball. Yeah. Bobby baseball. I love Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball. I love what he's done with the game. I love his avant-garde ideas to make it more interesting. I love the fake runner in extra innings. And I especially, I especially love the spectacle that he created throughout baseball last night where Max Scherzer who every time he takes the mound, it should be one of those things like when we watch Jacob DeGrom or when we watch Garrett Cole and we're like, listen, this is excellence in baseball. This is a guy who has been performing at an elite level for the better part of a decade, and we should be appreciating it. Every time the guy goes out there, we should be enjoying the game. And we did get to enjoy it, but just in a completely different way, Steve. Max Scherzer unbuckled his pants on the mound in the fourth inning. Where else do you get this kind of entertainment, right? 
Where else do you get players disrobing on the field but in Bobby Baseball? Bobby Baseball. Joe Girardi, by the way. Do we get to talk about Joe Girardi, too? That Joe Girardi was the reason for the third check? That Joe Girardi, resident tight ass, walked out there and demanded that even though Max Scherzer had been checked after the first inning and the third inning, that he should be checked in the middle of the fourth inning because he was touching his hair. Because he was apparently hiding all of the goo in his hair. And Max Scherzer, thank God, reacted appropriately, staring into the dugout, holding up his hands, yelling, it's sweat. Thank God for Max Scherzer. Thank God for Joe Girardi getting called out for the fraud that he is. What was it Mike Rizzo called him? A con artist? Yeah. Absolutely. Good for you, Nationals. Bobby Baseball deserves every bit of this for this asinine change in the middle of the year. Yep. I see all sides of this. So I see Girardi's side, whether it's gamesmanship, whatever it is, I would probably do the same thing. Uh, I see Scherzer's side. I would have disrobed and taken off my pants and all that. Um, I'm also on Scherzer's side. I would have tried to fight Girardi. And I'm on Girardi's side. I would have tried to fight Max Scherzer. All right. So let's clear up one thing. The real bad guy in this whole thing is Rob Manfred. And frankly, for all the pitchers who are being checked, sorry. Yeah, guilt by association. You guys know what has been going on. And if it's not you doing the sticky stuff, it's others. So you've allowed this to go on. So too bad. Because I'll tell you right now, pitchers have had no problems bitching about juiced baseballs during the home run eras and seemingly hopped up hitters. They were all in on those accusations. Hey, turnabout is fair play. It sucks, but maybe you guys maybe you should extend the tie on this nonsense and police the sport. Not like this. Come on, man. You want to go ahead. This this, this is this is the result of freaking either dragging your feet or outright, you know, accepting cheating and not bringing the issue to the table. Baseball has had an issue like this already with steroids they did it again and now the sport's embarrassing itself and it's on rob manfred right it is on rob manfred 120 percent. it is on rob manfred the extra 20 percent is because i hate the guy but it overall in this sport what are we dealing with here we are dealing with the fact that this was something that not that long ago We were all talking about saying, well, we want the pitchers to have some amount of grip on the ball because we want them to know where it's going. And hitters were saying, we want them to know where it's going. This is not something where everyone said, oh, my God, we have got to do something about this. Why aren't we fixing this problem? Major League Baseball found a solution and the worst one possible to a problem that everyone could agree could wait because it's waited for years. And by the way, Joe Girardi, even worse than wanting to fight Max Scherzer, you saw the John Boy video, right? He didn't want to fight Max Scherzer. He wanted to fight Kevin Long, his former hitting coach from uh. New York. He was he the, John Boy pulled out the audio. Go find it on Twitter if you haven't seen it. John Boy nice. pulled out the audio and said, "Come on, K Long, Kevin Long. Come on, K Long. You want to go? Oh, Joe Girardi, big tough guy, still got his Northwestern crew cut. Wants to be the one to go out and fight the opposing hitting coach because he's the one trying to be a con artist. Cut it out." Cofield got his mortgage tuned up. You should, too. Call 877-700-NOVA now to lower your interest rate and lower your payments. Is that Apple for sale? Uh, yeah, we're about to put it on sale right now, actually. Well, I'm in the market, so tell me about your Apple. Why should I buy it? <laughs> nice try. 
Okay, people, here's how this is gonna work. I have an apple here. The highest bidder's going home with this. I want all bids in in the next two minutes, then we're closing it. Bidding starts at $5. Feeling pretty confident there, huh? I mean, don't you $10. think? $10. He said starting at five. 15. Is this a new apple? Yeah, just listed. I'm pre-qualified. I'll pay cash. I got cash. 20, uh, 30, 40. No, just make it 45. Is it even worth that? 50. I don't know. Please, this is the eighth apple I've tried to buy. Could I at least see it up close? Uh, nope, it's an apple. You know what it is. You either want it or you don't. I'll take it for 100. What, I'm from California. It's the cheapest apple I've ever seen. 120. Why did I do that? Why, I don't, I don't. It's time to Trust Us. Presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Call him today at 577-2600. Yeah, funny stuff there. Courtesy of the Johnson Files on YouTube. Really, really funny stuff, but kind of representative of what's going on in real estate the last year or so. Just a feeding frenzy, and you hear the funny California line there, like, I'll, I'll take anything. Like, an <laughs> apple for $100 is a bargain in the... Uh, and then at the end, should I have done that? Yeah, then, then there's a buyer remorse and instantly, like, what did I just do? What just happened? I got caught in the feeding frenzy. Or, or uh, I don't think it's worth that much. I hear a lot of people saying it about their homes nowadays. <laughs> Dustin no, Hart's here not. with us. 577-2600 is the number. He's in... Uh, his studios, the Nova Home Loan Studios, as Cofield and Company is on the road and fired up to be here. All right, so let's get into a little real estate here. And then I want to talk about being a sports fan because you're a sports fan. You've got tickets to just about everything in town. You pay for those tickets. So we'll talk about the fans' rights and what you can do at games. So I'll give you a scenario, right? This is a, this is a market that's hot as a pistol. You can sell your house pretty quickly, but that doesn't mean that you need to freak out and panic and do it you know instantly no. and my guess is that you probably should have some guidance i'll give you an example i have a friend in texas who's going to be moving to vegas like really quickly okay what are the warnings for that person like like you want to sell your house quickly right but don't screw yourself yeah and we're, we're seeing a lot of that in this market right now and we're hearing stories right and left of people that are kind of screwing themselves and you know look as the seller, Steve, you have all the control. So if you're working with the right people, you can set this up, you know, to be a home run for you. You know what I mean? Like you, you can literally say, Hey, I'll sell you my house, but I need to rent it back for X amount of months until I secure another property. Right. In fact, I've heard some buyers are like, they don't even charge them rent. For, they're like, take your time. I want to buy the house. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, these are the kind of things you have to do to get your offer accepted. And as a seller, you can put all these clauses into place to protect yourself because we are seeing a lot of horror stories where people yeah you know they're just talking to a real estate agent and selling their house and not realizing it's not that easy to buy a house right now right and you know then they get a little picky and next thing you know they are screwed right then they go have to rent and you know what's almost harder to find right now than just buying a house getting a rental property yeah. it's crazy talk about that because yeah. we know the houses have gone up immensely mm -hmm. we're at a uh, median price now what like uh 385 or so mm -hmm. uh that means with the housing shortage housing prices that hey anyone who's got a rental property they've boosted the price rents went up almost over 20 percent year mm -hmm. over year that's crazy you know what i mean i mean that you know we talk about inflation and you know what things should settle down but the one thing that's not going to come back down is rent prices that's going to continue to go up but yeah look I, I mean i had a deal just the other day where we funded the deal buyer signed title had their money from us 
And then the next day, we got a weird email from the title company that said, oh, we have to send the wire back because the seller's changed his mind. Changed his mind. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't know that you can do that. Uh, well, you can, but there's some <laughs> there's some ramifications that happen if you do that because, um, look, you did sign a purchase contract that's pretty an easy contract to follow there, right? Um, yeah, so the buyer's uh, attorneyed up, good, you know, a pretty reputable lawyer in town. And he sent a very cordial letter and I was included on it, you know, and basically it was really matter of fact, like, hopefully you do change your mind because if not, this uh -oh. is what's going to happen. And, you know, and we're going to place a Liz pendants on your house. And then if you sell it, it's everybody's noticed that, you know, the, the world's noted that you have a lawsuit pending and the whole nine yards took about four or five days. And then that seller realized, yeah, I better sell this house. But Too late. yeah, but that's, you know, sell. I've had, you know, uh, friends of mine that are big time uh, agents that, you know, one of them said this lady just went absolutely nuts and was freaking out. She couldn't find a house and was blaming him and it was all his fault. You know, it's, it's just a crazy market right now. And yeah, there's just some horror stories, but do, do yourself a favor, work with some professionals. So you get all the advice that you need. That's the key. And if you need information, you got to lean on people who know what they're talking right. about. I know this is going to sound funny, but, and people know who listen mm -hmm. that I'm, I go on TikTok all the time <laughs> and I'll tell you when, when there were, there was talk a while back of banning TikTok. I'm like, you don't get what's up there. There's a lot of stuff up there. Really interesting stuff, including stuff that may be a little off sure. base in terms of info. I it's weird, man. Right. Mm -hmm. We, we know we're going to talk to you. Uh, on generally Tuesdays, today's Wednesday. So I'm on TikTok last night looking through and I see it's actually a pretty nice packaged video. Right. Some dude is talking to himself, going back and forth, really well edited, but he's talking about forbearance and like, mm -hmm. hey, this is going to be a big change for the housing market yeah. and inventory coming up. Maybe it'll be easier to buy a house. Fire this, Ari. You heard what's happening on June 30th, right? Does it have something to do with the housing market? Exactly. If you're receiving this video, most likely you've been wanting to buy a house for the past couple of months. Prices are so high right now in real estate. Does June 30th have something to do with prices dropping? Here's the data. As of April, we had 2.2 million people in forbearance. And in May, that forbearance number increased to 4 million. Wait, what's forbearance and how does this have anything to do with real estate prices dropping? Forbearance means that the homeowner isn't paying on their mortgage. They're kind of being forgiven right now for not making those payments. Forbearance is a step before foreclosure. Okay, wow, 4 million people in forbearance. What does this have to do with June 30th? Because of the pandemic, the government wasn't allowing banks and landlords to foreclose or evict tenants. All of this expires on June 30th. So that means we're going to have a flood of evictions and foreclosures. Well, okay. I, I think it's odd that you were watching something on TikTok about forbearance. I'm trying to learn all the time. Listen, here's the thing. Uh, as, uh, as people know on TikTok, you know, whatever their algorithm is, algorithm is you, whatever you watch right. keeps coming back oh, at yeah, you. Yeah. So if you want to watch, you know, uh, big canned, uh, whatever, 20 year old <laughs> ladies <laughs> dancing, then you're going to get a lot, lot of that, that material. Yeah. So I get a lot of varied stuff. I kind of, you know, I'm not saying I don't watch some of the ladies well, videos, but this stuff, this thing popped up and I was yeah. like, I don't know. I love that. You true. know that. Yeah. You smelled it out and you're exactly right. So, uh, look, when I was coming on the show in the beginning of the last year, we were talking about forbearances, maybe crippling the mortgage industry, right? Because the servicers still have to pay that payment to the investors, even though we're not receiving those payment streams. And, you know, experts were saying this is DEFCON 5, it's going to cripple us. Well, that was all BS because every mortgage company and servicer had the best year ever last year, right? So we got through that. Look, I can tell you this, Steve, I, I, I can't remember the last time I pulled a credit report with a forbearance verge on it, where, you know, last year, 
uh, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, one out of every five of them had it, you know, and a lot of people went into forbearance, didn't even know they were in it, you know, or their service just put them in it. Most were still making their payments. You know, it wasn't a, a, that big of a deal. They wouldn't need to refinance. We just took the verbiage off there after they got a letter from their servicer. Now, here's the deal. Look, will this create some more supply? Maybe. Will, it's not, is it going to move the needle a lot? No. Um, now, when people get out of the forbearance, now they've, they've missed their payments. They're going to have what's like basically arrears. They'll treat it like a second mortgage, right? You know, you deal with that when you sell the house or if you refinance, you'd have to include that with it. Now, this won't in my opinion, pretty much they said this is the proceedings to a foreclosure, which is completely false. FHFA allowed people without any type of hardship to go into forbearance. Now, look, you're not going to let your, like if you get out of the, when the forbearance period ends, they'll probably extend it again. And if you still can't make your payments, you're probably sitting on a hundred thousand dollars in right. equity. Your, right? your house has right. appreciated, so right. you're not just going to give up your house. Exactly. You can you can get right by selling the house. Right. You would just call up your local real estate agent, sell your house, park park that money into the bank, and become a happy renter. Now, look, unless you bought the house like right before, right right when the forbearance started, you know what I mean, and now you've tacked on these arrears, and maybe you're right there, you know what I mean. I like that could that could spur a foreclosure, but how many of those are we going to see? barely any you know what i mean so look we need some more supply will forbearances bring the supply we need no but they could trickle in a few more that's definitely needed for this market so but again it's not going to move the deal real estate wise one one way or the other if something opinion. if something sounds fishy call yeah. an expert seriously <laughs> exactly. if it doesn't sound yeah. right or if you're talking to an expert yeah. and that doesn't sound right call another expert yeah look and if you, if you knew where you're going to make your payment six months ago you probably should have sold your house then instead of you know what i mean well no i mean property values have gone up so the delta is probably the same so you know, look, if you can't sell, if you, you know, you're, here's the advice. If you're still in forbearance and you're struggling with, with the payments after the forbearance ends, you're sitting on equity. Don't let the house go to foreclosure. I mean, that's common sense. Call up your real estate agent, park your equity in the bank, get your feet back together and go buy a house later on. Dustin Hart's with us. We're at the Nova Home Loan Studios. 577-2600 is a number. Let's close on this. You're a fan. You're mm -hmm. a fan of a lot of teams. You're a fan of local sports. You go to the games. You got tickets to the Raiders. I know you go to VGK games. Mm -hmm. You got tickets to the Aviators. Big issue today and even tomorrow leading into game six. The the right. Knights have not played well. They're trailing in the yeah. series. Fans last night went nuts. They booed. Mm -hmm. What's your feeling on fans booing in general? And then Vegas fans, because I, I hear a lot of people are like, you know, you're lucky to have a hockey team and, you know, they're this good. And I, I've been firing back like, eh, you know what? The yeah. expectations are that you win. That's what Bill Foley expects. Mm -hmm. If I'm paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars for my tickets, exactly. I can do what I want. Yeah, doesn't I mean, mean I'm a bad. Doesn't mean I'm a bad fan or I hate the players. <laughs> right. Yeah, I never, I never received that memo where we're not allowed to boo our teams. Right. I think that's a part of the history of sports. Right. As being a fan in fandom. Um, now look, the Golden Knights. You know, before they came here, there was maybe five hockey fans in all of Las Vegas, maybe a few more than that. Right now, everybody's a hockey fan. But what's crazy is our hockey fans really know the game now. You know what I mean? Like, I'll sit there and watch the game with my wife and she's calling offsides and slashing before I am. So when they see it, the Knights show up like they did last night and know they didn't, you know, know they didn't hustle and made mistakes like that. Of course, they should boo. And you know what? I hopefully that that resonates with the team and they get their, you know what together and they win the next game. You know what I mean? So with all, yeah, without absolute certainty, I, I have no issues with our fans booing. You know, we, we've got a great team. 
and we expect greatness. I mean, we're the best, you know, the best record in, in hockey. I mean, tied with the avalanche. I mean, the power rankings all year long. I mean, we expect better than this, especially when Vegas had us, what, a, you know, the odds on favorite. Oh, I mean, I've never seen a favorite that big in the 450, you know, 500 going in right. the series. They take they a one nothing lead. They're yeah. 11 to one. And now all yeah. of a sudden it's like, you don't get it. Hockey's right. hard. Well, the odds makers and the betters right. said that this should be a series that they win. Now right. you're just going to change everything. And I understand the right. Canadians are a tough. Oh, they've got a plan here. That's hurting the Golden Knights. But it, like mm-hmm. this, this whole like, you know, you guys. You guys don't know the sport. All right, most people here are transplants. They've watched hockey before. Uh, hockey is not impossible to figure out. Let's stop acting like this is chess or something. You know, we, and 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 it, it would be like saying if the Raiders struggle next year and they're out of the gates at three and seven and they're playing like crap and mm-hmm. Raiders fans and onlookers at the stadium are booing like you just got a team. Yeah. You're you're lucky. Yeah, right. You don't know football. We don't know football here. Right. We've never watched football here. Yeah. Well, and ho- but hockey's more complicated to understand than football exactly. is. Come, come on, ridiculous. let's stop with the excuses. I mean, the Raiders could go undefeated and they're still going to get booed because of the Raiders. Give me a break. Imagine yeah. going, imagine if you're a Golden Knights player or a member of the organization and you, and you go, I'm going to say the proverbial upstairs and you start talking about the fans and they don't understand expectations. And you're saying this to your, to Bill Foley. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's what do you think Bill Foley does? Right. How do you think Bill Foley operates <laughs> right. his businesses? Exactly. You think anyone walks in front of him? Oh, I know Excuse this. Right. You don't understand right. this. It's yeah. hard. He's yeah. going to look at him like, right. what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. I know. He, he runs a tight ship. I know people that used to be his right-hand man oh, at Fidelity right? National Title. Yeah. yeah. He, is, he is a shrewd businessman, and he gets it. And he expects, he expects greatness from his title companies to his hockey teams. Very important to mention. Mm-hmm. Rest of the year. Military. Last month was Military Appreciation Month. Yep. So you guys have stepped up. You're like, we're doing these benefits mm-hmm. rest of the year. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, it was such a home run and well received that uh, we just said, screw it. We're going to make this a, a Nova policy. And if you have a VA loan or you know purchasing or refinancing using a VA loan, we're not charging our $1,300 processing fee. Simple as that. Love it. 577-2600. Tell them Cofield sent you. Dustin DeHart will uh, set you up. And I'm telling you, the mortgage tune-up is dynamite. Don't be intimidated by the process. Uh, I'm a classic procrastinator. I don't like making these phone calls. I don't like, you know, dealing with all the numbers and everything. And it was, you know, so easy, so comfortable. And, you know, I made out pretty well. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Trust Us is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Call today at 577-2600 to learn how to purchase a home with $20,000 in down payment assistance. Dial up Dustin now, 577-2600.